Hello, goodbyes. This is Annie. I wanted to insert this message before this episode starts. You'll notice that some of the things we mention are a little outdated. We recorded this episode probably three or four months ago, and as you know, a lot has happened since then. Uh, so if you hear us mention anything that's just not very relevant anymore, that's why. We wanted to put out a few episodes that were much more relevant uh, before we put this one out, and we've also just been running way behind on production schedule because everything is extremely shitty right now. <laughs> so I wanted to warn you guys about that. Um, that's all. Please stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and arrest the murderers of Brianna Taylor. All right, Annie out. Hi, I'm Annie, and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm Rose, and my pronouns are also she and her. And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, giving advice, giving and getting advice, and talking about queer people we like. I don't know what kind of advice you're giving. <laughs> I don't think we're giving advice, are we? I try not to. It's a lot of pressure. I do. Every time somebody brings anything up, I'm like, oh, do you want, I have 12 solutions to your problem. <laughs> you're, prob- like, nope. you're a problem solver. It's not a bad thing to be. It would be better if it were prefaced with, are you venting right now? Or would you <laughs> like some help problem solving? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. That's that's something you can work on. I am working on <laughs> slow but steady. Yeah, I feel like uh, people understand that when you offer advice, it's not like coming from a place of disrespect. I don't think anyone takes it that way. I think sometimes it is coming from a place <laughs> of me thinking I know what's best. So I know what's best for everyone except for me. <laughs> Well, I think you give great advice. Oh, thank you. That's that's why we have a podcast, because I need advice and you give advice. This podcast is exclusively for Annie's benefit. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it started as just us talking. That's actually true, but... It's true. I, I was looking forward to this recording today, because I was like, I need to air some shit. I want to talk about my feelings. <laughs> You're, I was like... Oh, like a pretty heavy episode but I feel like it's a pretty heavy time and it's nice to dig into like things that live inside of me that I have a little bit more of a grasp on like identifying a problem and what I can do to make it more manageable versus the bigger problems that are existing in the world right now and I'm like there's nothing I can do yeah, this is a time of self-examination. Turning inward. All right, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about turning inward and dealing with something that lives in many of us. Uh, it's called internalized biphobia. Mm, and what is internalized biphobia? So I started, because I was like, how do you even describe this? And I started off, with my personal explanation, which I said, internalized biphobia is 
basically all of the negative messages and narratives that we hold about ourselves that are rooted in biphobia. So many of us are raised in heteronormative society, so where romantic interest is assumed to be with an opposite sex partner, um, and that's what's considered normal. And we hear these messages every day that tell us that what we're maybe more interested in is wrong or abnormal. Um, and we start to kind of like learn these things and identify them. And I was like, once you start to identify it, you can catch yourself doing this like negative self-talk kind of like automatically. It's like, what's the first thought that you have? Um, so I found a really strong definition from Lauren D. Costine, who's a licensed clinical social worker. And they have a whole section on their website about internalized phobias. I'm just going to read that. Please. When individuals internalize negative beliefs and stereotypes, they end up assimilating negative views about themselves into their psyche, including their mentality and their own beliefs and attitudes. Even before realizing that we identify as LGBT, we hear from people in our surroundings, society, family, and peers, that being gay, lesbian, bi, or trans is not okay. Upon realizing that society deems it wrong to fall into one of these categories and identify with them, we ourselves adopt the belief that it is not okay and the phobias are internalized into our psyches. This process of internalization, while subtle, gets inside the psyche and hinders the ability to acquire a strong sense of self-love and self-worthiness. This is called toxic shame. Essentially, internalization manifests itself as a voice in our heads telling us to feel shame and that we are not living up to our standards. Or, sorry, not our standards, just to standards. Even if we're not completely aware of toxic shame, feelings like these hinder us and prevent us from acquiring happiness and freedom. I see. So biphobia is kind of toxic shame, or internalized biphobia is toxic shame that we carry around because... You know, society has told us bisexuality is uh, not real <laughs> or an illegitimate way of feeling. Yeah, exactly. So there's lots of different types of internalized phobias that exist. It's not exclusive to the bisexual experience. There's fat phobia, um, internalized misogyny, internalized racism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically anything that you can have as your identity that normal society or society as a whole is rep repeatedly telling you isn't normal. Right. You're like bringing in a few things that I read were like, it's when you're afraid of that part of yourself. Uh, which I not, think. Not quite right. I don't think it's quite right. Yeah. I think that's a. Not like you're afraid of that part of yourself, but maybe initially you're hesitant to address, acknowledge, and like embrace that part of yourself mm -hmm. because you're really, you're reiterating the messages that society has fed to you. Right, right. Yeah. About that identity. It's like the part of you that you find really hard to love or value. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's, yes. Um, so I also pulled out from uh, this book, Queer, A Graphic History, um, by Meg John Barker and someone else illustrated, but I don't remember their name right now. 
I can go grab it. it. It's over on my bookshelf. Here, I'll go get it. Julia Shield. Julia Shield. Okay, so Queer, A Graphic History by Meg John Barker and Julia Shield lists out three of the main assumptions that kind of build these norms of which, like, your identity might not align with. Um, first is that sexual identity is an aspect of who we are that is fixed from birth and endures throughout our lives. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's one I came to kind of late. Didn't realize that wasn't quite true. Yep, yep. Um, second is sexuality is binary, so you're straight or gay, and based on a binary gender of attraction, so men or women. I think everyone in this podcast knows that's not the case. Not the case, yeah. And third is that people can be divided into normal and abnormal on the basis of their sexual attractions and practices. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. These these three, like, pillars that are wrong are kind of the uh, the exact lines of thinking that led to my internalized biphobia. You can, like, track it directly to these three things. <laughs> You're like, those are your three big bullet points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my inner biphobe was shouting those at me day in and day out. I feel like I don't I don't immediately recognize the first one of like it's fixed from birth throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. But definitely like sexuality is straight or gay um, and that it's normal versus abnormal right right abnormal i don't know if i said that right uh, that was a very weird word to get tripped up on <laughs> uh, but i think for me the like the ones that fill me up definitely internalized biphobia and then i think internalized misogyny is like globbed on top of that um so for an example that i thought of Except before my last relationship ended, I never used the term bisexual. And I was like, eh, it's going to be like really fake using it because I've never gone all the way with a girl and like I've made out with girls. But just the quote unquote normal, quote unquote straight <laughs> amount. So leading yeah. into those two pillars, yeah. I was like, this is the normal amount of right physical interaction for straight women (laughs) Um, (laughs) and because I was dating a man and had mostly dated men I was like I can't really claim this identity and telling people about my interests is going to be pointless because I'm dating a man anyway and then after we broke up I continued to kind of feel weird with the label because I was dating men and women but I hadn't found myself like having any sparks with women and I was like oh shit what if I'm a faker and I'm full (laughs) of shit and I'm not actually interested into women right and like I don't know it's like now I can see this is totally biphobic and I assumed that there was a societal authority who is gonna say if I qualify as this identity right um and I assumed that certain actions had to take place 
in order for my feelings and desires and interests to be validated, which is like they can just exist on their own plane. Right. You don't, you can never act on them and that's okay. Um, and it just put the decision of like my validity and worth in that existence in the hands of other people. Right. Yeah. It's funny how, um, I kind of had the same thought. Will an authority figure at some point tell me what I am? Like for some reason I thought that would happen. I thought I was going to get a letter from like queer Hogwarts being like, you're a bisexual. (laughs) We need the queer sorting hat. (laughs) But it never happened. And I don't know why I thought that would happen, but I did. If someone knows why we think that way, let me know. I mean, I feel like because you're given a lot of labels when you're younger, so Mm. you're assigned a gender usually, and then you're also assigned a bunch of other things like, oh, like that's a really pretty girl. Like this was not me. I was not assigned this as a child. But like that's a pretty girl. Her value comes from being pretty and she likes pretty things. Right. And then right, there's right. like, you're a tomboy. You're tough. You can like walk it off. Yeah. And then there's like really smart girls and then there's horse girls like, right. you know, <laughs> and that's where that's where internalized misogyny comes in, too. Right. Like you kind of get an idea of like, oh, her value as a woman comes from being pretty or tough or smart or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something, too, that I struggled with when starting to date women more officially was being like, I don't know, like, what's my value as a woman? And especially, like, having a society that brings you up to be competitive with other women. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've never felt competitive with a romantic partner before. And I don't feel competitive with Cassandra. She crushes me at Bananagrams all the time. I think there's some things where I'm like, well, I want... I want a girl to think that I'm cool in a different way than I want a guy to think that I'm cool. Right, right. And I guess maybe more like my attraction to men is, or how I want men to think of me is much more misogynistic. Hmm. Like I'm like, I want you to think I'm cooler than every other girl. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. (laughs) I like that <laughs> realization that just came up. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong about, you know, being honest about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, once you start to know that internalized biphobia is a thing, like once I read that, I was like, oh, there's a lot of things that are just like little immediate things that go off in my head and then you have to question like okay well am I thinking that because I actually believe it or am I thinking that because some structure told me right that's quote-unquote normal right yeah and the the worst part about internalized biphobia or any internalized phobia is like if you heard someone saying the shit that you're thinking out loud, you'd be like, wow, that person's a total dick. And I will not stand here and listen to them talk about bisexuals that way. Yeah. 
but uh when you're doing it inside your head for some reason you're, you're letting yourself get away with it yeah and sometimes it's so immediate and automatic that unless you stop and you're like oh shit did you just recognize <laughs> that thought went through your head that's so wild I thought so many of the same things that you thought when I was coming out as bisexual and still think them all the time I uh I definitely thought like bisexuality was kind of a cop-out as far as a sexual identity went which again is one of those things that if I heard myself saying it out loud I'd be like you're such a dick but like that <laughs> was kind of what I was thinking um and I thought that like I if I was going to come out I needed to come out as one thing and then do that for life otherwise I was lying to people every mm -hmm. time I came out so I was scared to come out because I didn't want to be a liar but you know staying in the closet is terrible for yeah. your mental health so I was kind of trapping myself in this weird cycle of self-abuse um and I remember listening to an episode of the podcast slash radio show This American Life when I was like 19 and one of the uh, one of the producers was talking about how she identified for a long time as a lesbian and then when she got like into her 30s or something she fell in love with a man and she kind of had to tell everyone that she wasn't a lesbian anymore and that she was straight uh and I was just really scared of like making a big production of coming out and then doing the same thing as her and kind of having to be like wait no uh just kidding I'm straight because I felt like that would be really deceiving but now when I think about it I'm just like she was probably bisexual she she could have just said that. I don't know. I don't want to put a label on her, but it seems like there was a way to like talk about that without being like, I was a, I was lying to everyone or whatever. Not helpful. Not, not a helpful way to contextualize that. And then because I was kind of like feeling trapped about not wanting to lie to people, I just decided to stop dating and have and having sex for a while. And the bad feeling did go away, but then I wanted to start seeing people again. And it kind of fired up again, but I, I, I like circumvented it by telling people about my exes who are both sexes. So yeah, when I was giving like romantic histories, I would just address the fact that I had dated men and women by using the pronouns. Uh, relevant to both both of those sexes <laughs> mm -hmm. and no one ever like gave me a negative reaction to that like I was expecting a lot of questions like oh why why don't you make up your mind or did you ever make up your mind about who you were attracted to or like don't you feel bad that you dated these women and now you date men or dated all these men but now you only date women I was expecting those questions, never got them. And I don't know, now looking back, I'm like, why did I think, why did I think people would, do I think so little of people that, that I really thought they would be so rude? Cause I'm sure, yeah, there are a lot of assholes out there who would probably ask that question, but most people are not bad people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did get a lot of like, who's better at blank sexual act, but 
I'm fine with that. It's like curiosity is fine. So when I started talking about my like sexual history and dating history, people kind of assumed that I was bisexual. Just put that label on me. And honestly, that was the authority I needed to like determine. That was my Hogwarts letter. So mm-hmm. I just went with that and became bisexual by popular opinion. I was like, if other people are using it, it must be right. So you didn't even get like a sorting hat <laughs> song about <laughs> How no you're bisexual. It's really disappointing. Although I guess I could arrange that now. It's never too late. Yeah, I'll see if I can send you a singing telegram. It's interesting because everything that you mentioned and everything that I mentioned to me now is so obviously like a stereotype and a misconception that's perpetuated in the media and by like people who are just ignorant. Mm-hmm. And like you probably had that fear because you had heard other people say those things. Internalized biphobia isn't like you're born bisexual and then you also get the like starter pack of biphobia. Right. You know, like you go through life and you hear these messages because people also assume you're straight. So you hear the messaging of like how women are supposed to be and also like how straight women are supposed to be and Mm -hmm. what people who aren't straight or women are like. Like it's just you get messaging about everything and I think naturally you're going to be most likely to cling on to the things that you're like, is that true about me? Right, right, yeah. Or that must be true about me. Like it wasn't even a question a lot of times. I was like, ah, yeah, I must be a sneaky liar. Yeah, yeah, I think – because even I don't I mean I don't know about you but when I was I think I must have been like in high school when there was like the Ellen DeGeneres campaign to be like hey we have to stop using gay like to mean stupid mm-hmm. that is dumb and that's probably the first time that I ever was like oh th- there's a there's a term that's being used that I need to figure out like what is the charge behind it because right. in my mind it was just like what everybody says right I'm like oh well I wish that like my parents had said something or like an adult my actual life had been like oh this is not an appropriate thing for people to be saying but I I think it was still a long time before I met a gay person or like realized that was like a real life existence but I feel like we're still just at the beginning of bisexuality being like validated in the conversation right um bisexuality is just erased and negated like when it's mentioned it's like well we all know that's bullshit yeah so figure it out so it just makes you sit in this space of like like i still wake up some mornings and i'm like well am i just gay now because like i'm happy dating a woman and then like that's my foreseeable future like I hope it's forever but like then I'm like no dudes are hot (laughs) and like (laughs) my attraction to men has been valid it's not I don't think it's something that you're like okay now that I've recognized internalized biphobia and I've started to like interrogate where those ideas come from Mm -hmm. now I'm done I've decided I'm not gonna think that way anymore right the thing you said about bisexuality being like not real or like so often kind of like push the side like oh yeah 
bisexuality, sure. The worst part about that is it comes from the queer community a lot of the time, which is something I wanted to write notes about, but apparently just completely forgot until this moment. It's I'm reading through these notes and I have like, how do we recognize biphobic thoughts and behaviors? And I'm like, um, I didn't really do any further research. I think uh, this happened a lot more when I was dating, still when I was still dating, particularly when I was talking to women on dating apps, women who only date women. Like there, there is a part of that community that will not date bisexual women. I get, I get that you're allowed to date whoever you want to date, but it really, if you are struggling with any kind of internalized biphobia, uh, it, it really sets you back for someone to say, like, I don't date bisexual women because they're sneaky liars. Yeah. 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 If I'm putting on my generous assumptions of what the other person is intending to say, mm-hmm. it's probably like I was burned and hurt by somebody before who was a bisexual or I was hurt by somebody who was young or whatever, you know, like what there's all the stereotypes about like how and why bisexual women hurt lesbians. But I think it's like, I'm in my 30s. Like, I'm not out here trying to make out with somebody to get the attention of some dude. Like, if I want some dude's attention, I don't have to hurt someone or bring somebody else in or make out with them or lead them on or whatever. Like, so that's kind of upsetting when it's like, well, I'm an adult and like, you're a member of this community that is supposed to be a safe space for me right so it does just kind of like like I feel like a lot of my fear was stepping out and getting called out by the queer community and be like oh you're bi with your six-year relationship with that dude and like you've never even fucked a girl yeah (laughs) exactly I'll just go back and never explore that part of myself then. Right. For some reason, the internalized biphobia that I had was, like, I could see myself defending my sexuality against the straights, but when it came to the queer community, like, questioning it, it was like, oh, God, maybe they're right. They know. Maybe they're right. I know, yeah. Yeah. So that's if anyone is struggling with their internalized biphobia because they're out dating queer people and queer people are telling them it's not real. Just stay strong, my friends. There are queer people out there who will be like, great. Mm -hmm. And there are straight people out there who are also going to be like, "Okay." That was my experience for the most part, except for very few exceptions, you know dating people was oh so who's better at sex not like (laughs) why are you such a liar (laughs) most people get like most people if you're starting to date them you don't have to be like here's a big formal coming out when you're like oh I dated this girl and then like when I went on a date with this one guy once like blah 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 like people get it yeah people get it I think we have a weird habit of thinking that bisexuality is like Half of you is queer and half of you is straight. 
because the word kind of splits you in two. It's like mm-hmm. your sexuality is two parts. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people prefer pansexual because it kind of, the word kind of discusses a spectrum of, of uh, sexualities instead of two. I mean, and, and we've talked at length about like the word bisexual before, but I think that might also be something that uh, misleads misleads people. I feel like a lot of what we've talked about are kind of the like common, most commonplace, probably internalized by phobias. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to you, you have to like catch the thought, mm-hmm. either by getting called out or by like actively trying to think about it. Yeah. Um, so usually if I say something and I'm in a group with people that I like and I say something like that's immediately biphobic or like misogynistic or heteronormative, I'll just be like, oh, did you just hear that come out of my mouth? Like, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The easiest way to deal with a call out is to call yourself out first. <laughs> that's always a good thing to practice. Yeah. It's like make fun of yourself. Um, and then. I mean, it's like, how do you get over it? You have to bring in new new inputs and change what your thought association is. So it's like, if you're a journaler, like writing in your journal, like, hey, you're valid. Your sexuality is legit. Like, I love you. You're worthy. Yeah, yeah. And just doing, like, affirmations, like, affirm the shit out of yourself. Be like that little girl screaming at herself in the mirror about how today's going to be great. (laughs) But, like, about your bisexuality. You're just like, I know bisexuals are valid. And people who don't get it are just being ignorant. Yeah. And surround yourself with bisexual people and images of bisexual people. Follow them on Instagram, you know listen to podcasts hosted and about them because the more external input you get saying like bisexuality is real and valid the less you'll find yourself thinking that it's not in my experience truly like if you're a millennial in quarantine chances that you've been on tiktok in the last month are pretty high (laughs) and if you're listening to this podcast and you've been on tiktok in the last month you're probably seeing a lot of bisexual creators. There's something very nice about like having media that is immediately like we're all aware this is legit. We're all functioning under the same assumptions Mm -hmm. um, and we're all like pumping each other up. And I would say also following people who are doing active interrogations and being like what does this assumption mean and let's break down why it's where it comes from and why it's wrong and why it's weird just so you can like see the flawed logic in Mm -hmm. a lot of it yeah just uh interrogate interrogate find other people who are questioning you know why they uh why they've internalized biphobia i think a really common internalized phobia is uh like well, for me at least, it was, I think bisexuality is just a stepping stone to, like, mm-hmm. another sexuality. Think about who that benefits always. Like, who, 
if someone were to push that line of thinking into into the mainstream why would they be pushing that like why would they want you to think that that your sexuality is just leading to a certain kind of person (laughs) man it's always the answer is men are always the one who benefit so you just have to get a big ass brick, throw it through some douchebag man's window. Probably someone who like yelled at you while you were riding your bike. I don't know. Break their fucking window. Break their fucking teeth. We have a lot of pent up rage. I have yeah. a lot of anger. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And also if you're if you're you know, while you're thinking about like who is pushing this idea that bisexuality is a stepping stone. Think about, like, why why anyone would need a precise definition of your sexuality or need your bisexuality to be defined on a binary. Like, who would need that? Does anyone really need to know that? Why? What are the circumstances where they would need to know that? And would it be life or death? for them to know there's like a very very small circle there's like one particular circumstance where they would need to know the particulars of your sexuality and need it to be on some kind of binary and it it's like never actually gonna happen so don't don't worry about that don't worry about ever having to define your your sexuality on some kind of binary those circumstances will probably never happen to you Hopefully, yeah, they will never happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just very interesting because basically, when you're looking into like, why do I have this thought, and like, how did this, how did this fucking thought come to be my immediate automatic response? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, because all media tells me that bisexuals are sneaky then it's like what is the remedy the remedy is to like read a lot of research and queer theory that is like affirmative towards Mm -hmm. bisexuality and then also like consume a lot of the content creators it's like once you identify what's the system that's putting this thought in my head and obviously you can't be like no problem. I'm going to undo heteronormative like culture. I'll just get to that this week. Uh, I have some free time tomorrow afternoon. I'll take care of it. Bang it out. Yeah. Um, like you need to every day then like keep that in mind of like, okay, when I speak, I'm going to try and be mindful of like not assuming someone's partner's gender. Um not asking a little boy like do you have any crushes on any of the girls in your class like keep trying to keep your language not stuck in this heteronormative binary so it's like identifying those systems and even when they're bigger than you or something that you don't have control over like doing the little bits that you can to have your little ripple effect right yeah they do make a huge difference I mean, they get people thinking at least, which is good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you're you're doing the work of interrogating 
your internalized biphobias or biphobias in general, uh, you might be tempted to go look at some queer theory. Often bisexuality, I mean, this is another example of why you may have internalized some biphobia, but there's there's often like only a passing mention of bisexuality, especially in like early formative queer texts, queer theory texts by like Foucault or Butler or whatever, um, which is too bad because I think, you know, queer theory in essence is trying to question, it's trying to complicate how we think of gender and sexuality. Um, there's a really good paper by April S. Callis. She wrote it in 2009. Sorry, they wrote it in 2009. Uh, it appeared in the Journal of Bisexuality, and it's called Playing with Butler and Foucault, Bisexuality and Queer Theory. And in it, April talks about how in Judith Butler's uh, Gender Trouble, Butler kind of discusses how we tend to give certain gendered attributes to certain sexualities, i.e. how lesbians are thought to be more masculine. Um, and Callis says that bisexuality does not allow gender to be wholly tied to a sex object choice. So if a person is choosing both sexes as erotic partners, his or her gender cannot be matched with their sexuality. Uh, a woman who sleeps with men and women cannot be read be read as either feminine or masculine without causing gender trouble. Um, either her gender is constantly changing with her partner or her gender does not match her sexuality. Further, by desiring men and women, she has really removed herself from either gender category as men and women is not an option in either masculinity or femininity. She is therefore causing gender trouble in a way that cannot be dismissed. Bisexuality is the snuffleupagus of sexualities with individuals debating whether or not it exists at all. Is this debate partially due to an inability to read genders and sexualities that do not match? So this is a great example of where biphobia comes from. If, if Butler is right and we have this desire to give gendered qualities to certain sexualities, then bisexuality confuses us because we want to be able to do that but we can't because you know what is what is the gender of someone who likes both genders there's not a gender for that um it's and i kind of snuffleupagus i, I kind of love that i love being a snuffleupagus like i like i like that you can't like put me in a box based on who i love I'm not saying that you you can do that to other people or you should do that to other people. But I, <laughs> I like um, I like you know causing gender trouble. I like that. Yeah, I want a shirt that says like I cause gender trouble, <laughs> or maybe just a snuffleupagus, and it says gender trouble. Gender trouble. There you go. I bet yeah, that I. Sorry, what? I bet that exists already. If not, we have a request for Autumn. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I feel like that's so good. And exactly what you said, because when you were reading that, I was like, oh, it's nice to be like, you can't put me in a box. Because I feel like that is such an inherent part of my personality. Like, I'm like, oh, you think this? I'm going to do that just to be <laughs> contrary. And like, I like like to get really like, no, I'm not like that. Um <laughs> 
probably is rooted in internalized misogyny because I'm like, I'm not just going to be a complacent girl. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I don't think great. that's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> um, maybe I'm just uh, very aggressive. Uh, <laughs> but I think it is like, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting that even this might be a tangent. I don't think this is adding value. Um, but like, even in the queer community, it is like we're like lesbians are like this, and you can be like a, a like lesbian that's masculine, and mm-hmm. then like also I guess there's femme lesbians. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's very weird that they're still like this is how to be gay, right? And this is how to be a lesbian, and th- like. I think especially, like, this is how to be non-binary is something mm. I'm seeing a lot now. Like, yeah, a lot too. of non-binary folk are just, like, right, I don't have to be, like, the most androgynous person you've ever met right. for me to be non-binary. Like, right. that doesn't, that's not how it works. Right. Yeah. This is, I mean, that's exactly where internalized phobias come from, that there's a right way to be a certain identity and that yeah. you're, you're doing it wrong. So that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. I would also like to flag, I hadn't thought about this, but I think internalized biphobia can also be amplified not only as negative things, but as like self validation. Like, I definitely was like, well, now I'm dating a woman, so I can tell the world that I'm bisexual right, and, like, right, right, right. have a podcast about bisexuality yeah. instead of, like, and that is just reaffirming that, like, the thing that makes me feel valid and comfortable talking about bisexuality is that I'm with a woman now and have been for a while and, like, also dated a man for a significant amount of time. Right. Yeah, that you would have to have done both of those things in order to earn your bisexuality. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's just another another internalization that, like, feels good because it's, like, embracing my identity. But when I think about, like, well, what did it take? It's like that was fueled by it. So it's just interesting. Yeah. It is. It is very interesting. Um, That's kind of all I have to say about it. I feel like this is a very good primer on internalized biphobia. And I think that's really all I feel like I'm capable of offering because, like, I'm still learning how to identify, address, and rewire negative thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Um. And also, like, it's so specific to what's what's your internalization and experience that you have to work through. Like, each one is going to take a slightly different remedy and a slightly different set of work. But I think just having a name for it is helpful mm-hmm. because it gives you, like, when you have a thought that it just flags it. Right. Like, maybe think about why you're having that thought. Right. And then determine what the next steps are. Yeah, definitely. If you have a therapist, talk to your therapist about it. Yeah. The nice thing about therapists is they flag those thoughts for you. So 
<laughs> it's really why what do a, you hate yourself so much it's really what a therapist is they're just flipping through the pages like flagging all the problematic thoughts but it is something you can do sans therapist too you can uh you can catch yourself when you're having those self doubting or hating or devaluing thoughts yeah you can flag those thoughts and then figure out how you want to work on them want to go to part two yeah let's talk about by lights lights um i didn't put any by lights in here because today is april 10th 2020 for me for rose it's april 9th um while we are we are recording this uh the world is in the throes of the covid19 pandemic um the u.s is really in the most deadly week it's had so far and i am at any hour of the day some combination of anxious uh, afraid hopeful heartbroken and i know that a lot of people feel the same way and if you are feeling any kind of way uh that needs support please reach out to your loved ones or to us if you'll have us if you need any words of encouragement from us we're happy to give those <laughs> Um, I didn't put any by lights in here, because uh, there's not really much news besides, besides the pandemic. I, um, I do have a by light. Okay, great. I just read it before logging on to record. Is it depressing? No, it's great. Okay, good. I would not bring f- more negative news. <laughs> I was like, I can't put any shitty news in here. Governor Cuomo comes out as a bisexual. No, that's <laughs> oh not God. true. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'm sorry. Um, I do not remember the actress's name. But oh, yeah, I just saw this. The woman who voiced Moana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I should say. I don't know this person's name, but the person who voiced Moana in the Disney movie. Yeah. So that made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Love Moana. There's a place in the the sea. It calls me. And no one knows how far I'll go. It's a good song. (laughs) I like your rendition. (laughs) Uh, We got some listener mail. We got some mail from Raj. Raj. I didn't get your permission to read this, but I will email you in a minute. Um, Raj is the moderator for a few uh, bisexual subreddits, and he was writing to say he was he was asking us for advice about how to like be a better moderator, and I was like, I don't fucking know. I know. So yeah, if you if you if you bisexuals listening have any uh advice for you know being leaders in the bisexual community for raj please consider this a conduit and write to us we're at hello goodbyes for 2069 if you want to uh you know if you have any advice for how raj does does their job yeah or like what you've seen work on communities what you wish moderators did on communities yeah exactly 
Bising stars? You don't have one? I didn't get a Bising star. I'm sorry. It's okay. I have a Bising star. Um, It's Marcelo Hernandez Castillo. He's a poet, essayist, translator, and immigration advocate. Um, His work is often a meditation on the betweenness of his queer identity. He wrote about it in an essay for BuzzFeed. He said, As of my life, I made myself invisible in my poems. I hungered for lyric rather than narrative because I was afraid of telling people who I was. I made myself invisible as a way of coping. Um, Just very germane to today's discussion of biphobia. You know, you can, we talk about bisexual erasure in the media a lot, but it's really easy. I did it when I stopped talking about, you know, my sexuality while I wasn't dating, but it's easy to erase yourself too. And there's, there's a really dark, dark place you can go to when you start erasing aspects of yourself. Uh, So if you have the option to not do that, you know, don't. Um, he's also a recovering alcoholic who tweets frequently and frankly about his sobriety. He's on Twitter at Marcelo underscore H underscore. Um, and his poetry is very beautiful. And if you are struggling with the crushing grief of COVID-19, um, reading and writing poetry is a pretty cathartic thing to do at this time. Call for advice. Yeah, I mean, I would say... I'm with Annie. I'm a little out of sorts. My attention span has gone to shit. (laughs) Uh, My call for advice would be that I have been trying to meditate since before the pandemic was declared a pandemic. Um, That was part of my goals for this year was to kind of figure out how to make meditation a, a practice for myself. And I do it I sit down and I'm quiet there's like I've tried guided meditations or just like having some nice rain sounds you know like I've tried a lot of the things but I can't get to that place like so any tips um I guess particularly like has any anything been working for you I feel like I work well with visualizations Mm. so I'm looking for positive and affirming visualizations to deal with stress Um, for what it's worth I'm in New York City so we're we're really in the shit right now stress and then also like I feel like I'm digging up a lot of my internalized shit and like habits and thought patterns that I have that I don't want to continue to carry with me. And so anything that helps to like bring those emotions up (laughs) and then like make you fight them or something. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe they're not supposed to. I don't know. Somebody tell me how to meditate. Yeah. I'd also love to know. Um, I, th- I think this weird thing is happening right now where uh, people are like, this is a unique time to improve yourself and uh, you have all this time to like work on all the things you never worked on. And that 
at a certain point is very unhelpful because you're like, why am I not getting better? I have all this time to improve myself and I'm not getting better. And then you start beating yourself up about that. So I'd say just don't beat yourself up. This is, I think not, it's like a frustration that I'm like, I had laid like three months of groundwork and I was also still feeling like, uh, like, isn't that great? And now I'm just like, no, no, no. I need some moments of silence Yeah. Um, in my brain. And I think also probably just that we're in, like we're all living in a moment of trauma right now, mm-hmm. um, like collective grief and trauma. Um That we're probably all finding the unique ways this is, like, triggering to us. Yeah. And I have definitely, like, I'm like, okay, these are the, like, six perpetual thoughts and, like, habits that I have already identified as, like, things I need to probably not perpetuate. Right. But it's very hard, very hard to do. So. Yes. I agree. Try to be forgiving and also, don't turn self-care into a, a productivity competition. Right, yeah. yeah. Try not to. Try not yeah. to. It's hard. And if you fail, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't, yeah. <laughs> um, my, my call for advice is actually a call for poetry. Because uh, I've been reading some poetry to help process things. Um, and I would love to read any poems that you, the listeners, are writing or reading. If you've come across anything that uh, spoke to you, or if you've written anything that um, really spoke to you and you want us to read it on the show, I would love to do that. Uh, doesn't have to be about coronavirus or bisexuality, uh, but if it is, that's okay. Just like any... Any poems that you've come across that touched you or that you wrote that you think are, you know, you don't don't even have to think they're good, just that you want to share. I'd love to read those. Yeah, and we don't have to read them on the show. Yeah. And if we do, we can read them anonymously. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got, too. I feel like there are definitely things we can dig into more, like what are common stereotypes that lead to internalized biophobia and also... A little bit more about how bisexuality is addressed in queer theory, but probably not going to happen in this episode. Yeah, we'll we'll save those. That's a deep well. we'll those are those deep dives. Yeah. yeah. Right now, this this is just a good primer of what deep well of shame lives inside of you. <laughs> I heard you might have some free time to really start rooting around in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, maybe this is a terrible episode <laughs> to release right now. How yeah, cool maybe. are we? No, I think uh I think hopefully people will hear this and think like, oh those thoughts that I've been having are not not helpful, not healthy. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope you will hear these thoughts and feel connected and not alone yes and you're valid and we love you 
Yes. And we see you. Yes. And we're here for you. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, reach out. Uh, hello goodbyes for twenty sixty nine at gmail.com. We're we're just hanging out, guys. We're hanging <laughs> out. Yeah. Um let, let's do the sign off and then I'm gonna ask you about something. Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good Goodbye <laughs> from the Goodbyes. <laughs> Why do I get, I feel like I get so extra when it's not safe? Like if you're not here with me.